minutes. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Pulp Today. My excuse to day drink and uh, read Pulp Fiction to you. The Violent Virgin. Uh, before that title blows your mind, I should point out that uh, it's by my father. It's uh, a tribute to the Maltese Falcon. And so the Violent Virgin of the title is not a sexually immature teen with a machine gun. It's a piece of fabulous statuary that everybody in the book is uh, chasing one another about. And I'm still doing the no-no of wearing the hat inside because it, it, it's not back yet. It's not, I have not recovered from shaving my head. Uh, Violent Virgin was first published in England as a hardcover. Uh, in both the British hardcover and the American, they decided briefly to try calling them all the case of, because I guess a new Ed Noon thriller didn't quite convey, and the guy shooting the uh, guy on the cover, you need a case of to really tell the audience that it's a mystery novel. I like the cover of the uh, American paperback better. Now, this was an ace double, so you flipped it over and you got the case of the Bouncing Betty and the Violent Virgin, in accordance with Dad's... Uh, thing of having the cast of characters listed by something. This time it is according to their alliteration. Ed Noon, the private peeper. Opal Trace, the bothered brunette. Dean, the polysyllabic professor. Spider, the mean menace. Fat Harry, the fat four-flusher. Marlene Kelly, the righteous redhead. Duffy, the train timer. Schnapps, the dashing dachshund. Peters, the baggage boy and some of them get obliteration. But I'm going to read the first chapter up to the introduction of Opal Trace. It is uh, it's a fairly romantic description of the main character that I've always liked and found lovely. And that's what I'm going to read to you today. Chapter 1. Rain is pretty. Even death in the rain has a pretty sound, although nothing could be more miserable or lonely or damp. But rain has a lot of uses. Besides selling a lot of raincoats and umbrellas and galoshes and making the proprietors of small stores very happy, rain can drag you into the nearest bar to get out from under. Especially if you're wearing a brand new cadet gray suit, and if you really feel like sipping some of the joy juice, that's just so much velvet. Rain is also the reason I met Opal Trace and took the craziest train ride of my private eye life. Opal Trace didn't die in the rain, but she came damn close to it. The rain came down on a Wednesday in November. They got together upstairs and decided to have a real ball. It rained steadily all morning and afternoon. What I mean rained. Buckets full of gallons and waterfalls. By the time daylight died, Manhattan was a storm-tossed stone jungle. Sheets of aqua pounded the pavements, canopies all over town sagged under a heavy water load, and taxicab fleets did a whopping business. A 200-pound dame wanted her husband back and gave me 50 bucks to follow him for one full day's work. She thought he was straying and wanted proof because she loved the guy and her fears and worries about him were driving her nuts. So I was out all day, with her insecurity adding to my social security. I staked out near his office and made an hour-by-hour -hour check on him. He was thin as a wafer and clean as Christmas, at least for one wet Wednesday in November. He had breakfast alone in Nettick's on Madison Avenue, clocked in for his office job at 9 sharp. Lunchtime, he was in Nettix again, still alone. He didn't telephone anybody or meet anybody. 
I struck up a conversation with the cute blonde who typed in his office and she gave him a clean bill of health. She thought he was a real quiet, nice guy. But I stuck on the job until he went home at six. Then I called his wife and told her to forget it. The husband was okay for today. But I was way off my usual beat. Somewhere on Madison Avenue in the 30s. In the pouring rain, without my trench coat, my Buick, or my usual good humor. I needed to pick me up real bad. Sure, I had 50 bucks, but I was blue from the cold and lonely besides. And the Cadet Giray suit was having a rocky maiden voyage. So I stumbled into this dimly lit bar on the avenue and met Opal Trace, and Sudden Death, and a lot of other things. It wasn't a much different bar from any other, the long, polished counter, row upon row of bright bottles, a big, frosted glass mirror in the usual place, and a white-jacketed bartender. Throw in a garishly lighted jukebox, one monument to Alexander Graham Bell, and four or five green leather booths, and that ties it. The jukebox was muting Elvis Presley, loving that girl tender over and over again so that you could hardly hear it. She didn't bother me in the least. But it did bother the girl in the transparent raincoat down at the far turn of the bar. She was facing the street and looking right through me as I walked in. Can't you turn that thing up? she demanded of the bartender. As I swept the rain from my fedora, her voice went right into my ears and stayed there. Not in a way that you wanted to complain about. The words were soft and velvety, like a caress. My ears seemed to tingle with the harmony that poured out of her throat box. The bartender spread beefy pink hands and shook his butch haircut at her. I told you before, lady, the box ain't been working proper. Repairman's coming tomorrow. He said it like he'd said it five times already. You said that, she purred in reply. Her voice would have put a blues singer to shame. But I didn't believe you. Now I do. That box has seen my last quarter. Suit yourself, the bartender grumbled. He padded towards me, wiping down the bar as he came with a dish towel that was tied to his apron. Well, a BMAC. Martini, I said, very dry. He nodded and went to work. I made myself comfortable on the stool. My wet clothes were plastered to me. I shifted, throwing a glance at the woman as I did. She was the only other patron of the joint right now, which figured. It was too early. The office buildings were just closing shop. My eyes met hers and stopped. They had to. You just didn't look into eyes like those and turn away. Her voice was one thing. Her eyes were something else again, and she wasn't looking through me this time. I was getting along once over, too. Ever see a pair of glims that have the history of the world in them? You know, misery, shame, heartbreak, sudden death, tragedy, and happiness, pride, triumph, life, and comedy. Well, that's what the girl in the raincoat had in her eyes. It's a tall order, all right, but she had all those things in her eyes. They danced and died, held you and let you go, murdered you and gave you life in a single stare. It was a little nerve-wracking. When my martini was ready, I gulped half of it down, thankful for a legitimate reason to take my eyes off her. But the action must have amused her. A low musical laugh filtered from her end of the bar. The bartender looked at me and winked. He screwed the tap handle in front of him and bent over as if it needed repairing like the juke. But he had something on his mind. This one beats me. Came in here about an hour ago. Put away six stingers like they were water and still as sober as Eisenhower. I smiled. Elvis Presley all she likes? He made a face. Look at her. Real ritzy looking. Maybe 30, maybe 20. Those clothes she's wearing didn't come from Macy's either. You figure it out. I will, I told him. Mix me another one. I gave him the $50 bill to break into little ones. 
He made another face. The jukebox went silent, and I turned to look at the girl again. She was fishing in a large blue calf purse for something, then seemed to change her mind and went back to her drink. The tall cocktail glass in front of her was almost empty. I caught her unforgettable eyes again and smiled. The honest smile. It was a corny opening and older than H.B. Warner, but I wanted to get a closer look at those eyes. It was just possible I was seeing things. It had been a dull, dreary day. She started to look bored, and she was about ten stools down from me, but I'm a game guy. I had met women before, all kinds. We seem to be shipmates, I said, a trifle loudly and evenly. Can I buy you a drink? She sat up straighter in the transparent raincoat, and the big eyes lit up like lanterns in a snowstorm. For more, you'll have to read the book. It's a great one. It's a lot of laughs. The Maltese Falcon pastiche elements become clearer as you uh, read a little deeper into the story. But that's it for today, The Violent Virgin, or The Case of the Violent Virgin, for the slower members of the class. Adios, and I'll see you next time. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.